Welcome to the Incomplete Podcast, hosted by Kelly. As if a defense can predict you, a defense can defend you. All I received was a meme of Forrest Gump that said, I may not be a smart man, but I know John Elway is GOAT. The entire. You could see that he's clearly interfering with them. He's grabbing a hold of his jersey. He's, you can even see him tugging on it as Stan's trying to catch the ball. If you saw me right now, if you and I came face to face, hands are getting too because no one messes with my Broncos. Strap up and protect those chains. They will have the opposing passes go. Broncos country, it's Raiders week. Uh, We are in uncharted territory here, not only for the Broncos going to Vegas for the first time to play the Raiders, but... We're also in uncharted territory here at the Incomplete Podcast. For those of you that did not see the Twitter feed this morning, Kelly was unfortunately unable to make it. She had some family matters to deal with. Um, She is incredibly sorry she could not be here. But we did plan to have a special guest today, but that special guest has now been honored to be bumped up to co-host let's give a big incomplete welcome to shelby manning shelby how are you doing today i am good this evening how are you doing i'm doing all right considering it being friday the 13th it being probably the most unlucky day of the year um as we all know the pandemic started on a friday the 13th at least on my end so may the odds ever be in your favor on the second and last friday the 13th in 2020 so hopefully we can get through the last couple hours without there not being any bad luck but i mean who really believes in bad luck anyways that is a good point i was waiting for some insanely weird stuff to go on today so far nothing too nothing too out of the ordinary a lot i know i had seen a lot of people talking on social media about how they hoped it was going to do an uno reverse and everything was just going to go back to normal today but so far i have not seen any sign of that either unfortunately very unfortunately because when i saw the last friday the 13th becoming in november i'm like oh yes we'll have a cure for the coronavirus on this day i have yet to hear anything so you (laughs) failed friday the 13th But I believe we have some football to talk about. Now, normally this is the first part is where we take any challenges, challenge flags we had this week. But with Kelly being out, not sure if she had any. And the viewers still refuse to try to challenge me for anything. So before we talk a little bit about the Raiders this week, let's jump into last week's game against the Falcons. Um, I want to tell you right off the bat and I'm pretty sure a lot of Broncos country will agree with me, that did not feel like a seven-point loss. That felt like something a whole lot more. You know, Ty, that actually, it reminded me a lot of our 
opener, our 2019 opener, yes, against the Raiders, um, where the whole game just felt we were not in it. You know, I think that only ended up being like a seven to 10 point loss as well. But that game, that was the game that um, Josh Jacobs introduced himself to the NFL, had over 100 rushing yards in his first game. I think we'd all love to forget that game. I mean, of course, that was last season. So no one's really thinking about it. But this this Falcons game really had the same vibes to me. The, the score was close, but it never felt that close because we were out of it most of the game. Yeah. Um just the slow starts like plagued us once again. And I don't know where this Matt Ryan came from because he's been like up and down so much. And like, just out of nowhere, I honestly feel like it was probably the secondary that kind of helped because we didn't have our top two corners and we were starting Mm -hmm. what undrafted free agents and then a rookie third round pick. That's going to be tough for any team to overcome. Absolutely. So how Kelly and I normally go about the um, recaps is that we have a good, a bad, and an ugly. So before I touch up on anything, is there anything that stuck out to you? Um, I mean, it's really tough to pinpoint any good um, with the game mostly being ugly. So, I mean, there's got to be some good in it. You know, it's going to sound, it's going to sound weird, but just hear me out. I'm going to give my good for the week to Drew Locke. It it sounds interesting. Of course, he did not have his best game by any means, but what I, in the last two weeks, what I've really seen from him is resiliency. He does not get flustered when they're down. He does not get, he doesn't get in his own head from what I see. And he can still go out there and try and put a drive together So my good goes to him for just being able to keep that mindset, even when the team is down, you know, 20 plus points. Without a question, um, he is, we saw it definitely the following week against the chargers that even though we were down 21 points, he did not let it affect him whatsoever. It's like had him calm down and he was able to drive down the field and ultimately end up getting us a win. Unfortunately, this was, that game where we were just in too big of a hole. And even you could say if there was a chance we would have won it, our defense kind of helped with that because they limited the chargers to two field goals after trailing 24 to three. But even with us making that comeback, the defense still couldn't keep Atlanta out of the end zone, at least, at least keep them out to a point to where we could at least force overtime. But unfortunately the case was that it was just too big of a hole to dig out of. I agree. Uh, there's one player that I did see that actually there were a few goods from what I saw. Um, Jerry Judy had his first 100 yard reception uh, <laughs> reception, his first 100 yard receiving game on seven receptions and did get a touchdown where I'm not sure if you saw the replay, but it looked like when he ran that touchdown, he faked out his corner that was defending him saying, Oh, I'm like going deep, but he like all of a sudden switched and the guy just kept going. It's like, where's Judy? And he's like 10 yards in front of him. Like, Oh, I better go stop him. So Judy was definitely one that really jumped out at me. Um, What did you think of Judy's game? Well, of course, like you said, it was his first um, 
100 yard receiving game on his career. You know, he's kind of started off slow, but to me, you can't blame him for that. He, you know, he's a rookie. This whole, this entire offense has really started off slow once again. So, you know, he's keeping pace with everybody else, but Jerry Judy is such a freak athlete, you know, just to watch him do that stuff with ease. And, you know, he just finesses people and he's, he is really something special. And I know, of course, he had he had a few key drops at the beginning of the season that some people really criticized. And, you know, I think he had a couple in that game as well, which is to be expected. But I am very impressed with Jerry Judy so far, especially despite the offense really struggling to put points on the board. Yeah. <laughs> we asked for putting points on the board, but definitely Judy has been a very bright spot in an offense that is still trying to get that chemistry, still trying to find that momentum. Um, I think it comes within time. It's just going to take us a little bit longer than I thought it would. We had a couple good defensive plays. Josie Jewell, I know we've talked on the Slack channel, um, and the Slack channels talked about how Josie Jewell has really started to come on his own. Um, Ten tackles is actually really impressive for – one individual person. Um, maybe we found someone to help compliment Alexander Johnson on the inside part of the defense. I, I think that you are on something there. I am very impressed with Josie Jewell. I've been impressed with him since last year. You know, I think one thing that people have not really been talking about that I think should be addressed more is that this defensive line, and, you know, I know we're getting more into linebackers with Alexander Johnson, but when you think of that defensive line, you know, that that unit took a very big hit with the departure of Derek Wolf to the Baltimore Ravens in the offseason. And I was curious how this defense was going to respond to that. And I think that one thing that has, I think, kind of been a result of losing Derek Wolf is we know that... Sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. We know that Denver has has struggled against the run this season. Mm-hmm. Um, struggled against the run, you know, the past couple of games. Todd Gurley ended up having a pretty good game. Wasn't overly surprised, and I think that's where that unit's missing Derek Wolf. But guys like Shelby Harris, Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson... Jeremiah Tachu, they've really stepped up. And I think that is something that deserves to be to be praised and, you know, pretty good response to losing Derek Wolf because I think that was a much bigger loss than people ever expected, which I wasn't on that let him go bandwagon. I'm a big, big Derek Wolf fan, gonna be the rest of my life. But <laughs> I think that has been one key absence that we have not talked enough about. You bring up actually a really good point, um, especially with all the injuries that we have been dealing with as far as we've lost Von Miller. I know Von Miller definitely was the big one, but definitely that interior defensive line has really helped us as far as running or defending against the run. Derek Wolf was a big part of that, like you said. I feel like it's been a little tricky trying to find someone to duplicate the production that Derek Wolf has. I know we have Shelby Harris, but Shelby is going to, he was out last week and we, even we saw with Shelby Harris being out, how big of a difference that made. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
he is, I think I, and I, I posted about this on Twitter last week that Shelby Harris has really made a case for himself as the team's 2020 MVP. He is an anchor to that defense. That defense just plays better when he's out there. He's really stepped into a leadership role. This team just seems to be a good fit for him. Obviously, we know that he is missing because he has tested positive for COVID-19 and we wish him a speedy recovery. But yeah, that's that that was a big loss for last week. And of course, we talked about the injuries, missing seven key defensive players last week. That's that is very tough to overcome. Especially with an offense that can just chuck the ball up whenever they can and having a quarterback in Matt Ryan who may not he won't be a in my opinion, he won't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. We don't know if he will be a Hall of Famer, but just mm-hmm. finding that I feel like if it were more of an average type quarterback, we would be okay. But I think Matt Ryan definitely I wouldn't he's kind of fallen off a little bit, especially since that Super Bowl loss um to the Patriots, which I feel so bad for Falcons fans, but he hasn't really, he really, it seems like he hasn't really found a rhythm and maybe this was the game that Matt Ryan needed to boost up that confidence a little bit. Too bad it came against us. I agree. And you know, they've, they've played pretty well the past few weeks since, you know, fire and Dan Quinn, they're, they're, they're not doing so bad. I, I could see maybe this team taking a little bit of a push Mid-season, I, I don't think that the Atlanta Falcons are going to be a playoff team when all is said and done, but I think that they might surprise people. Yeah, hopefully we'll see what happens in the next couple years, but I'm not sure if Matt, Matt Ryan's not, I can't remember what year, I think he came out in the 07 draft, something like that, um, but we'll see how well would time, when Father Time ends up catching up to him. If he he looks like he, with that performance, he might have a few good years left into him. So we'll have to see what happens when the Atlanta Falcons end up going to the offseason. Do they stick with Raheem Morris? Or if I said, yeah, I did say that, right? Or mm-hmm. do they go or they go in a different direction? But, I mean, there are some moral victories to this. We were, like you said, we were able to at least formulate somewhat of a comeback. Just didn't just didn't end up working out in the end. Um, but it's kind of a tough one to swallow based with the incentive that we were hope I at least was hoping that we would be at 500 with this tough last eight games coming up. Mm-hmm. I feel like we'd be more favorable um, in a more favorable spot for playoffs if we were to go four and four. But now that we're three and five, it's starting to slowly creep in that maybe this a lot of people said this won't be a playoff year. I was really crossing my fingers, but now it's really starting to look like it may not happen this year. You know, I think, and you know, it was talked about on Twitter this week that some, some people were saying that, that the idea of a playoff push at this point to have hopes for that is, is stupid or anything like that. And I think it's always good to be optimistic. I think that all of us were optimistic for a playoff push at the beginning of the season I do agree, unfortunately, that with every hit 
Denver takes with injuries and, you know, the way things are going, their schedule's gotten kind of messed up a couple times because of COVID, especially with the Patriots game that was getting pushed and pushed and moved all over the place. And that really messed with things. Denver had to take their bye week much earlier than they wanted to. I think it is looking less likely that Denver might be a playoff team this year, but like um, our good friend Cameron Parker said on the Slack channel, we're in it until we're out of it. He's not wrong at all on that. Um, so we were going to, I did run a poll on our, on the incomplete site since we're touching a little bit on these final eight games and you saw on predominantly orange that I wrote, like, how will the final eight games go? Uh, I predicted we'd go seven and nine. The poll did end up coming out and a little over half did say that we would finish under 500, which I guess wouldn't be, I honestly think eight and eight would be a huge victory um, for Broncos country because it shows that we are improving, but it also makes me think because we were talking, I was talking to Ryan Edwards, uh, earlier today and he mentioned that as long as we're competitive in these final eight games at least we can show some fights then that's a win in most of broncos country's books so if he says it like i'll i'll take it as long as we're at least competitive in the majority of our games that are left i completely agree that's that's what i want to see is competitive football um benjamin albright we, of course, you you know Benjamin Albright. He's, he's very intelligent, really love his football takes. He had said something on Twitter that really resonated with me. And I think he even said this a couple of years ago, that in the rebuilding process, you go from losing ugly games to, you know, losing by inches. You know, that famous death by inches saying that I think Broncos country is a little sick of to, you know, <laughs> winning small to winning big. And, you know, I think Denver is somewhere in the middle right now. We're losing a lot of close games. You know, he might have even said it last year, you know, with Denver losing so many last second games, you know, that one Mm -hmm. against the Chicago Bears that I think a lot of people are still of the opinion that Denver should not have lost that game and that the officials might have decided the outcome of that game. I am still a little bitter about that game, but you know, I think that was a close one. The Jacksonville game last year, I think the Indy one came down to the last second. I think there were four or five that came down to the last second. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course that so much hasn't been the trend this year, of course, besides the, the chargers game that literally was won in the last second, but it's been a little different, you know, winning by a little more comfortable margins or losing by a little more. I think of course the Tampa Bay game and the Kansas city game were very disappointing for Broncos fans. You don't losing like that's not fun. Losing like that to Kansas city is really not fun. Uh, Yeah. I definitely would agree with what he said and what you just recently said about those losing close games. I know I was definitely upset about that Jacksonville one because we and with Chicago, because both those games we definitely had, if it wasn't for these pass interference calls, well, not pass interference, but for the passing calls, which yeah, yeah. still still makes no sense. Um, and I was thinking a little bit about it back then. And the funny thing is, though, if, it, if we had, if they had won those two games, you're looking at nine and seven, and we pop, we actually would have been in the playoffs by virtue of winning the head-to-head matchup with Tennessee last year because they were the mm-hmm. sixth seed. So it's definitely like 
it looks like we're getting close. It's just we need to find something that helps us get over the hump within the next few years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the only ugly I want to touch up on, uh, mostly because I want to see what everyone, including you, have to say about it is actually, no, let's two things. Uh, Devontae Harris. I think his play was pretty much the reason we went out and got Devontae Bosby back. I agree with that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a challenge flag at you for two seconds. Okay. I know this might be a little on not typical, but I'm just gonna go with it. Hey, we're in uncharted territory. It doesn't really matter. You know, I'm gonna down, I'm gonna upgrade him to bad. I know that sounds weird upgrade too bad but <laughs> counter and say that he had a very tough task ahead of him that we put out there you know you've got julio jones i think we were very lucky that calvin ridley did not play in this game because Devonte harris would have been pretty much lining up against him and i can only imagine how that would have went you know it was a really tough day for him but i think how he responded on twitter was very mature i can only imagine that he was getting some very negative responses in his mentions or direct messages because we know how fans can act it's it's really out of pocket sometimes so i will leave him there for now and we will see how he responds on the field in the coming weeks and then i will move him around as needed (laughs) yeah that's a really good point putting him in the bad it's just i don't even know like i'll i'll take that challenge flag and accept it um he definitely did have a bad game um it's just two defensive pass two defensive pass interferences and being burned a lot just mm, it just doesn't sit well with me but got the bad there's some bad there was some ugly probably meet like right in the middle i could probably agree to a an extent where he was bad probably the ugliest part of it was allowing not only did he allow the touchdown, but if he wasn't, if it didn't end up counting, he would have been penalized for defense pass interference anyway. So just that part of it was completely ugly. And I want to point this out. Our run offense, like, where is it? Like, it's just disappeared over the last couple weeks, really, especially in the first half where we're trying to get momentum going. And Ryan Edwards did mention to me that Pat Shermer comes from an Andy Reid offense where it's you're not going to always run on first downs, be like passing, like a little mix up of it. But I think for next week, I want to see a little bit more balance in this running game. Um, this also could be because the offensive line's been a little shape shifted because we know Graham Glasgow had to deal with um, COVID, and then you have all these you know, Cushionberry, who is basically a rookie. No, he is a rookie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just don't know where our run offense is. Then you have reached my ugly portion of our little segment here. So um, Pat Shermer and his offense get my ugly vote of the week. And as they probably would have last week too, even though we did win last week. But here is my issue. And of course, we talked about in the Slack channel i think there that you're going to go away from the run when you're down by a large margin but here's my problem denver is going away from the run before they are down a bunch of points 
It's Mm -hmm. you've got Philip Lindsay on your team. You've got Melvin Gordon on your team. And I know that Melvin Gordon has drawn some mixed reviews from Broncos country, understandably so, Mm -hmm. but you have two very abled backs. Philip Lindsay has been an absolute specimen for Denver. I am a little discouraged by how infrequently they have used him in the past couple of weeks. I think we said last week that we went into the half with him having only gotten three carries or maybe it was like four carries, but it was for like minus three yards or like one yard or something like that. That is unacceptable. You know, mm-hmm. at that point you are wasting Philip Lindsay. I think fans are already fearing that he might be departing Denver in the next couple of years. If the trend does not change. And that is something that really concerns me. We have got to start utilizing the running game more often especially if they can't get anything going in the passing game. One thing that Kelly and I have kind of like pounded the table at, um, I know her specifically was having, why not have both Gordon and Lindsay out there? So that way we can just find some way to throw off this defense, any defense really that we go up against. It's just ridiculous that Shermer isn't really utilizing that you've got a veteran running back and you have this electric, another electrifying third year player why not put both of them out there? We know Lindsay can, I feel like Lindsay hasn't been utilized a lot this year as far as going out and catching the ball and running. It's just bizarre. Like have him out to try to catch the ball if you need to. And of course, Melvin Gordon's your bell cow should be your bell cow back. Or, I mean, it's kind of difficult because I know there were others that are saying that Lindsay should be, that first second down and then have Melvin Gordon at third down situation. I feel like once Shermer can figure out how to utilize the both of them, either at the same time or in the roles that he, that we believe that they are fit for, it'll be a lot easier for us when it comes to running the football. I agree. I completely agree with that. You know, it's the main thing about when they don't put them both out there at once is, it's as you said, it's, it's not fooling the defense. If Philip Lindsay is getting put out there, then the defense knows what he's going to do. They know it's going to be a run play because they aren't trying to get the ball in a passing option to Philip Lindsay very often. At Schirmer, if you're listening, please, please help out here. <laughs> please put us out of our misery, man. <laughs> um, I mean, so I guess we can take moral victories in this instance. At least it wasn't like we were blown out against Tampa Bay or blown out by Kansas City. It's just, I know Reisner has said it's kind of tough dealing with moral victories because, let's face it, we're all tired of losing. Like, we should mm-hmm. be winning these games. And, like, what is a, <laughs> they're like, what's a moral victory these days? It's just kind of tough to get out of bed and do the same thing over and over if what you're trying to do only works to some extent but it doesn't give you that overall result you're looking for exactly and you know moral 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 victories are the equivalent to me of the term death by inches yeah (laughs) it is this is another instance where i really miss Derek wolf because Derek wolf was the first player to say something if you know this team's not playing enough or i'm so sick of losing or he was very outspoken and if you can't tell i'm a big fan and i miss him a lot (laughs) 
I will find any reason to wiggle him into a conversation. So Derek Wolf, if you're missing, please come back. Or if you're listening, please come back. I miss you. <laughs> see if I can try to send it his way and see that he has a fan in Denver that wants to see him come back. But I don't know if he'd want to come back because of where Baltimore is, but. You know, Baltimore I, is doing very well and he's doing very well there. I think they said that Baltimore is currently in the top five against the run. I think that he is a big, mm. big part of that. Um, unfortunately, I think that um, Derek Wolf's relationship with, with fans and with Denver media were both souring by the time that he departed, you know, mm-hmm. um, people were saying that, and I'm not going to call out any specific people. Fans have every right to have any opinion they choose to, but I also think that they need to realize that players, players see things that they put out on social media sometimes. And, you know, I know a lot of fans were concerned with his injury history and that's rightfully so Derek Wolf does struggle to stay healthy, but when he is, when he is healthy, he is a force. That's, I really wanted to see him finish out his career in Denver. And I was very, I was very sad to to see him go, and I knew that he probably was going to be one that would would be departing the team. But it was still a huge bummer. Him losing him and Chris Harris Jr. in the same offseason was a really bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, I really don't did not want to swallow that pill with Chris Harris Jr. being gone because you know he was one of my guys too. It's mm-hmm. it's it's tough, but hopefully we can figure something out and get back to where we were almost five years ago but on that note um like to take you along for around the nfl guess so what we do here is we talk a little bit about news that's going around the nfl um and the first the first thing i want to talk about and i know kelly is like over the moon excited for this but I'm pretty sure you heard that Akib Talib is going to be in the broadcast booth this weekend. Oh, you know it. Um, one thing that Kelly and I do have in common is our love for Akib Talib. One of my dogs, He's he was one of my favorite all-time Broncos, and that was just in the short time he was in Denver. It was just, it was such a fun ride with him and Chris Harris Jr. together. I was devastated when we traded him. And, you know, it, it was coming, you know, Akeem Tlaib was getting up there in years and I don't know how much, how much meaningful football he really played after his departure in Denver. Of course he had a season in, in with the Rams and, you know, and then he got hurt and then he was traded to Miami and I don't believe he ever played a game for Miami. Yeah, I, I think, think that was, I think that was more of a salary dump than anything. And then, you know, he decided to call it a career and I believe he has his own podcast now. And I am absolutely stoked for Sunday, not only for our game, but to listen to to keep to leave in the booth. I am jacked. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was talking to someone actually not that a couple of days ago when I found the news and it's going to be very interesting with him in the booth because of who he is as like a player, how his character is like, he's got, it seems like he's got like that. He's got that. He's got that charismatic energy that I would like to see him kind of be like, get excited. Like, I don't know if like we've heard Gus Johnson a couple of times, how excited he'd get when there was like long touchdowns, when there's like big plays, I can kind of see a little Gus Johnson in a keep to I I think that's a very good comparison to I like that comparison. Um, 
I think it's going to be really fun. I think him being in the booth is going to be an awesome experience. I was a little surprised because I know, as, as you know, he is very unfiltered. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. I would love to hear him on a Denver game in the next few weeks. So let's pray that we get that experience. Well, he is on Fox and we do have one more Fox game against the Saints in a couple weeks. So fingers crossed that I keep sleeping in the booth calling the Broncos Saints game. Another thing that I want to touch up on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 8-0, first time in franchise history. Now, in all the years that I've watched and researched on the Steelers' history, I was really shocked to hear that this was their first 8-0 start because you had their teams like the Roethlisberger years, the, unfortunately the time where they beat us going to go to Super Bowl forty. You had the Steel Curtain defenses. And with all that, just all that history – I'm really surprised that this is their first eight no start in their history. Um, don't even have any words. Like I thought maybe they would have been eight no during, especially the steel curtain years. Um, but they seem to be like a team that could really make a push to make sure the Kansas city chiefs don't repeat as Super Bowl champions. You know, that that actually is the first time hearing that this is their first eight and no start. And I am just as shocked as you that that team has been a consistency, you know, as long as I remember. Big Ben's been around pretty much as long as I remember. You know, I'm gonna be 25 in December. So as long as I've been old enough to watch, Big Ben has pretty much been there. Or old enough to remember, I should say. You know, I think that this is a very good example of why the media needs to stop calling a player's career. And by that I mean. Last year, of course, we know that that Big Ben missed a lot of the season mm-hmm. with that injury. And, you know, the media did their thing. This is, is this finally the end of Ben Roethlisberger? Well, Ben Roethlisberger came back with a vengeance. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And look at the football he is playing this year. It is absolutely mind-blowing. It reminds me of back in, I think it was 2013. The... And, you know, I don't even remember who they played, but it was on Monday Night Football. And the Chiefs got out, or not not the Chiefs. Maybe it was the Chiefs that they played. The Patriots got absolutely crushed. And I think it was by the Chiefs. And the media just had a heyday with this. And they're like, oh, we're calling it now. This is this is the end of Tom Brady's career. And of course that was the year of um, Super Bowl 49 following the year of the, the Super Bowl that was canceled. That never actually happened. <laughs> um, and that was the, you know, the Patriots almost didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but guess what they did? Cause nobody gets to call Tom Brady's career unless it's Tom Brady himself, you know, and I am, and I know, I know your opinion on Tom Brady and um, I do think we are seeing a little bit of aggression or aggression regression with him (laughs) this year. You know, I, I do think we are on the, the towards the end of his career, but it just reminded me of that situation where they, they decided a player's career was over and then got to eat their words big time, which I think is what we're seeing this season. That's a really great comparison. I didn't even think of it that way. Um, yeah. And regarding Super Bowl 48, we've 
J.R. Smith that one right out of our brains. So we're trying not to remember it as much. That um, meme. Yes, that meme. That's the meme we reference a lot here on Incomplete. We just, any bad game, any bad memory, get out of here. Try not to remember <laughs> it. Um, but I definitely agree that his Ben Roethlisberger's career has been very intriguing to me. Um, I know in his rookie year, he brought the Steelers to within one game of the Super Bowl, um, which was really impressive. And I think, I think it was also that year that he helped lead them to a 15 and one record to go 15 and one as a rookie is just really impressive. But then of course the following year, he was able to go win his first Super Bowl in route to I believe he's won two Super Bowls. So I think he's the most successful out of that 2004 draft class so far with Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. No, I'm sorry. Eli Manning did win two as well. So we've got that. But I honestly thought last year was going to be Roethlisberger's last year. And I am certainly eating some crow right now because I am really impressed with how well he's done. Outs. Now I'll admit outside with whatever situation he's in with, I was being someone who does not stand for something like that. Of course, we don't know if it was true or not. Of course. He just, his play on the field though, has been really impressive. Um, Maybe we're seeing a resurgence in his game a little bit, especially with the weapons he has. He doesn't really have a whole lot because, you know, he's lost Antonio Brown. He's lost Le'Veon Bell. The fact he's doing it with players like James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool is really impressive. It is impressive. And I guess one thing, you got to give a lot of credit to that Steelers defense. It is nasty. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick has been such a baller for them. It's that team is very well-rounded and I think they are going to be a serious threat to the chiefs in the playoffs this year. I, I I'll call it now. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we can call it and hopefully we don't see, because I know I've seen plenty of time on Twitter that, a lot of people are blaming the Chiefs. I think it's one person that's blamed the Chiefs for what's happened. For COVID? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, there was one thing I forgot to touch up on a little bit with keep going to broadcast the Washington and Detroit game. A little tidbit is that Alex Smith in that game is going to be making his first start since he suffered that gruesome injury back in 2018. So to see him recover and get back to where he was and now we get to see a new a new chapter in the story him making his first start since the injury i've been really impressed following the story and i'd say good for him for being able to tackle this adversary adversity excuse me and being able to keep fighting no matter what is going on in his life? I think that Alex Smith is easily one of the most feel-good stories of 2020. You know, he's always been a really likable guy, really stand-up, even when he played for Kansas City and we struggled to like any players in our division. <laughs> Great guy, you know. Um, of course, we remember that that injury was absolutely horrendous. You know, it was very widely 
compared to the um, hit that ended Joe Theismann's career by Lawrence Taylor. Of course, we've all seen it. Mm-hmm. We remember the absolutely eerie comparisons. Of course, you know, they were the quarterback for the same team, happened at the same at the same field position. I believe it was even the same date. I think they oh, might have wow. been playing the same opponent, same score. I'm, I might be reaching there, but I do think that the date and the field position at the very least were the same. There was a lot of weird comparisons and everybody was like, so never play quarterback for the Washington football team <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's really bizarre that he will be making his first start because now I didn't see what had happened to Kyle Allen for the Washington football team, but it sounds like he like severely dislocated that ankle last week. And from what I heard, it was just like very gruesome. So it was just really, really bizarre how these Washington football team quarterbacks just deal with so much pain when it comes to mm-hmm. all these, like I'm pre- like, he's like, I think the third Washington player that I know that suffered like the most gruesome injury that, could pretty much derail a career. Absolutely. Hopefully Alex Smith's story continues. I'm hoping. Um, but if he goes up against us, I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, give us, give us this game. Any, any other game you can have it. Just, just lose, stay healthy, but lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so as our last round, the NFL, Um, What I normally do is I cover a game of the week that's not whoever the Broncos are playing, unless that ends up being a game of the week. However, for this week, it was it was really tough picking one because there are two really good games that are on while Denver is playing. But I ultimately sat on these two teams because there are two teams that have really surprised this year, um, the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, That's a game this week. That is a game this week. That is going to be really fun. So, of course, the Arizona Cardinals have been a huge surprise. Um, Not to toot my own horn, I tweeted at the beginning of the season that this is a team I was very excited about. I am happy to be still proven right because my takes usually... If re- if the Twitter account at freezing cold takes saw half of the stuff that I post on Twitter, I would probably be most of their content. Let's just leave it at that. Um <laughs> I am super excited, of course, you know, to Oklahoma Sooners fans. We love seeing Kyler Murray succeed in the NFL. You know, he's got some good weapons. Of course, the Houston Texans moved Andre Hopkins over there, and he's been doing pretty good so far. I think he did have kind of a down week last week. I mm-hmm. say this because he got me a total of four fantasy points, and I was very devastated by that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not somebody that's going to get too much into fantasy. I am not going to be someone that calls out players for lack of fantasy points. It was just surprising. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, he is killing it over there. Um, you know, they're a pretty well-rounded team. You know, Vance Joseph actually has that defensive unit playing pretty good. I know a lot of... And then on another note, um, another thing about the Arizona Cardinals, I know a lot of people questioned how Cliff Kingsbury was going to be as a head coach in the NFL, because even in his collegiate career, people were kind of on the fence about him. But so far, he has been awesome with them. You know, the players seem to really buy into what he has to offer them. And then, of course, on the opposite spectrum, the Buffalo Bills are 
doing really well. I think they're the favorites to win the AFC East this year with the Patriots having a pretty down season as we are now seeing that that is maybe not going to work out as they had hoped, you know, Josh Allen, super good. You know, he, I think he's kind of not impressed people much this year, just with a little bit of Rocky performances, but he is, I think he is their guy going forward and, you know, they have a very good defensive unit. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think that was an excellent choice for game of the week. Oh, I thank you. Um, it's actually really funny that you mentioned the um, Rocky reference. Um, little side notes in my life. I'm pretty sure you've heard and I've told the incomplete listeners that I had a stress fracture in my foot. And so I had to deal with all that. The reason why the Rocky reference is so interesting is because if COVID had not shut everything down, I was set to run the Rocky run, the half marathon tomorrow. So sadly, that's not going to happen. I had to be pushed virtual and had to move it to, I think I moved it to December just because to give my foot some time to recover, especially seeing as how a half marathon is the reason I end up with a stress fracture in the first place. Um, so <laughs> You're like, don't it, mind me for having a little bit of PTSD on that. Yeah, hashtag random but yeah. <laughs> like our uh, slack channel um yeah so you live in do you live in philadelphia 40 45 minutes away so okay like, so for when out. you do run it how is the okay next question mm-hmm. You're, you'll see where i'm going with this in a minute how is the weather there in december um it varies really um it doesn't really start getting cold here until like mid-january but there of course we've had snow in october here we've had snow in november so it's it's really it just really depends on what mother nature wants i know last year when i ran the rocky run it was freezing in november and this was mid-november so it just really depends i think this december i assume it might be a little bit more milder but i think being able to run in the cold might help a little bit especially with actually no i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. run it because if i run it i'm afraid i'm gonna mess up my foot and be out even longer so let's not run it let's just jog it a little bit um well i hope that if, if if you do run it i think you should go to philadelphia and run it and go up the um the steps and funny thing i did i that's what i did last you. year <laughs> I, I did run up the steps I last year <laughs> i just just didn't get a chance to someone document it basically because i was running it alone in a sense i couldn't find my friends because... i'm glad that you understood my reference because i know i didn't word that super good <laughs> oh. because i was thinking about rocky and then all of a sudden i was thinking about muhammad ali for some reason okay actually <laughs> i have a funny story i have a funny story about this and now you'll y'all now you'll see why i was thinking that so okay. in high school we went on an explore america trip and i'm gonna totally bore the the incomplete listeners for like two seconds but i hope they think <laughs> it's funny so um they're on our explore america trip we went to philly but we weren't there very long i think we were only there for like three hours i think we went to the um went to i think like a we went to like this mall or like this square where there's like a bunch of little shops and vendors around it Mm -hmm. and there was a statue of of muhammad ali i had a friend take a photo of me with it and i posted on facebook and i have a facebook friend and i'm not going to identify them because they would be so embarrassed that they'd die (laughs) 
was like, oh, he he looks pretty angry. Apparently, he didn't want to take a picture with you. And this person legitimately thought that it was actually him. And I could not understand how they thought this because to me, it was so obviously a statue. And that story wasn't... It was. It's funnier if you if you actually experienced it, but that's why I was thinking of Muhammad Ali. <laughs> no worries. That's very. <laughs> that's actually a very interesting story. Um, <laughs> seems so mad. Like, um, well, he can't show any other expression because he he's has not real. No other, yeah, he's not real. He doesn't have any other expression. Well, and what was even funnier to me is so they apparently thought that I just met him on the street. He's he's shirtless in his boxing shorts, like with his arms up like this, and they thought he was just walking around like that with his boxing gloves. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh boy, I'm not even sure what to say on that one. So there's uh, a funny for your day. <laughs> there's a funny for our day. There's a funny day for the incomplete listeners. Win-win in my book, I'd say. Um, but. Bills and Cardinals, if because I know my my area is getting that game, so I'll probably try to see if I can flip in between them. I did have an honorable mention: uh, the Seahawks and the Rams battling for first place in NFC West. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes, especially with Seattle coming off of that tough loss to Buffalo. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think you are correct. <laughs> okay, um, so. Time to get into a pretty new segment. Um, as you, as we've said, um, originally the plan was for you to be a guest on the show. Kelly having to handle some family matters, things switched around. But fortunately, she did give me the questions that I am going to ask you. We're going to chat a little bit, just just so she gets to know you a little bit and that the incomplete listeners get to know you a little bit. So whenever you're ready, I am ready to put you on the hot seat. I am ready. All right. So the first thing, like I mentioned before, she wanted to know some things about you. Um, So she wanted to know how did your love, love football, excuse me, especially the Denver Broncos. Okay, so that I don't have any like super awesome or interesting stories. So I just remember my mom watching the Broncos as we were growing up and I just started watching it. You know, my my family are, are Denver fans. We have some Vikings fans thrown in there because, you know, we live up in Montana and people tend to go for who is the closest in the Minnesota Vikings are, are really the team that are closest to us. So I just started watching and I just fell in love with it. And, you know, I I started learning more about it. And, you know, I just I just fell so hard for this team. And it, it's been a ride. What can I say? Oh yeah, definitely been a ride. Um, so on that note, um, she also wanted to ask you some questions that football players get asked in interviews at, as far as the scouting combine. For those that have listened, I'm sure you've listened. Um, there. Kelly complains a lot on this podcast about people testing her on her football knowledge um, because of sports. Sadly, are in a male dominated. And like I know, we mentioned, I mentioned over the spring summer about you and Kelly being like two of the most influential, influential, excuse me, female um, 
females that report or talk about sports. Um, so she wanted to ask you these random questions that get asked by football players. Um, are you ready to hear these questions? I am ready. All right. So your first question is, what is your murder weapon of choice? Ooh. People get asked that at the scouting combine. Mm-hmm. I am a little disturbed by that. <laughs> why? Mm-hmm. And because I'm like, why was the first thing that came into my mind? Candlestick. <laughs> because I started of- thinking about the game clue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with, um, you know, we, we like guns up here. I'm going to go with, but you know, I think I'm going to go with a knife or brass knuckles. You know, let's go with brass Good knuckles. Go. The breast knuckles sound awesome. Or just uh, keep it with candlestick because that's the first thing that popped into my head. There you go. <laughs> All right. Would you rather be a cat or a dog? You know, um, kind of a loaded question. And of course, I'm probably going to overthink these more than anyone else would. Um, you know, we live on a ranch, so our dogs have responsibilities. They are cattle dogs. I think I would rather be a cat because our cats don't have to do anything all day. They get to sleep and eat and just be lazy. So I'm going to go with cat. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what kind of fish are you? Rainbow fish. Nice. Like that book, The Rainbow Fish. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, um, whatever Dory is, if, if that's not an acceptable answer. I'll take the tip. Um, no, not cool. clownfish. Because um, that's Nemo. Yeah, Nemo's, Nemo's the clownfish. clownfish. <sighs> I'll have to look that up later. Um, and your last question in these completely random questions that are asked by football players. Are you afraid of clowns? Yes. <laughs> but I have to talk about, um, we like horror movies. And it is one of our favorites to watch in our house. The newer ones, the older ones are good, but we think the newer ones are just a masterpiece. Nice. But yes, I am terrified of clowns. <laughs> if I see one, I will go the other direction, unless it's somebody that I actually know under the makeup. Like, no, thank you. Do you remember that trend like four years ago? I think it was the last election period where there was just clowns walking around with like mm-hmm. knives like on college campuses this happened at my college campus we saw one walking one day and it was terrifying no thank you oh no i do remember that trend that was like that was the most freakiest thing i've ever seen and then it just stopped <laughs> no, i don't know we're like oh we're done they're like we're just bored. we're bored now i don't <laughs> know if anyone ever got hurt i don't think they ever did anything i think it was just to create people out oh i believe it um, so now I'm going to ask you a couple que- We're going to go back to the state of the Broncos affairs. Um, okay. so what excites you right now about the Denver Broncos? I think how young the team is. This team has a lot of potential. You know, we have guys like Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler, Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay. This team is really young. Albert. O. I'm not going to even attempt to say his last name because I'm going to botch it. <laughs> Can I help um, out with that? Yes, please do. Oku Webunam. Look at you. You're good at it. Um, you know, <laughs> our de- our defense is a little older, but guys like Bradley Chubb, 
very young. Justin Simmons is young. I hope we're going to bring him back for a lot and have him stay in Denver for a long time. You know, this team has a lot of talented pieces. I think they really believe in Vic Fangio. This team just needs to kind of find an identity, get the offense going. But I am the how young this team is compared to how we've had some older rosters in the past few years is what I'm excited about. Yes, youth is going to be very important, especially seeing how Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes are doing. If we're going to keep up with them, that youth is going to go a long way. Mm-hmm. This this one, when she told me, was actually a very interesting one, and it makes me want to think about it once I'm done editing and all the podcasts. Um, what lesson in football has been most influential in your life? Lesson in football. So I obviously did not play football. Um, I played flag football in second grade. I don't think that counts. Um, (laughs) I I do have to say that I have to add on to that, that we weren't supposed to tackle, but I hit a kid really hard and I didn't play flag football again after that. (laughs) Um, I didn't understand the point of the rules because I watched the Broncos every week and I'm like, they hit people. But I think the biggest um, lesson, you know, I've learned and, you know, of course, um, watching the NFL, watching college, watching high school, you know, as, as you know, my husband coached his first year of varsity football this year. So one lesson that I've learned from watching all of that is hard work beats talent every single time. Um, the work you put in in the off season is going to be huge when you get onto the field. I think that would be one of the the biggest lessons that I've learned just from watching football from childhood on. I love it. Um, so got a couple more. Um, so now she was very specific on this. If there was one thing and only one thing, can't pick two, you can't pick three, but if there was that one thing you could magically do to make the Broncos better, what would it be? Oh, that's really tough because, you know, mm, because it's, it's hard to just say Pat Shermer calls a better offense because what exactly does that mean? How does he Mm -hmm. call a better offense? I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but okay. I'm going to pick one and this, this doesn't fix the state of the Broncos whatsoever, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Mm -hmm. Let Brandon McManus kick the long field goals. I could not agree with you more on that one. Todd McMahon, Todd McMahon. I feel like I'm sound, sounding like the WWE president for some reason. I don't know why that rung into my head. Oh, but, you know, the special teams guy. Um, I'm not sure if you heard, but there were um, some rumblings that they wanted to kick the field goal in Atlanta, but he said no. And that's why the early timeout was called and they decided to punt instead. So the f- why isn't Brendan McManus getting a chance to kick those long field goals? Like if, if we've seen that he can kick these deep field goals in practice, like during warmups and even in Denver, why not give the guy a shot? I remember, I think it was last year 
he wanted to go out and kick that 76-yard field goal, and they said no, and he got really upset about that. So I wonder why we're not getting McManus' whole lot of shots to – is it just because of game situation or is there something mm-hmm. else going on? I read, I read the, the McMahon comment and it triggered me very badly. I was really upset <laughs> <laughs> because it just, it, it had so much shade in it. He was throwing so much shade at Brandon McManus. It seemed like, like, Oh, from what I saw in pregame, I didn't feel comfortable kicking the field goal. Well, good thing. You're not the head coach then, I guess, but just to waste the time out. Wait, to waste the time out and then not kick the field goal was asinine. Brandon McManus is one of the most reliable kickers in the league right now. He, he does not get the love for it, but it's true. Let him do it. You know, if that's the only way that Denver is going to get the points on, going to get points on the board, they've got to start being more aggressive and, and going for the longer field goals. And who knows that actually, if they allowed him to kick the field goal and he had made it, perhaps we could be talking about a different game in quite a few of those, especially the Atlanta game. Mm-hmm. So Kelly's final question for you. If you could have dinner with three current Broncos, who would they be? Just had to say current. So I couldn't put a cube to leave in there. Okay. <laughs> um, My first one is Dalton Reisner. He just, he seems like a really chill guy. You know, you could sit there and shotgun a beer with him, have a steak, talk about life. He just seems like a really cool guy that to hang out with. Um, my next one, I think, does Vic Fangio count? Or does it have to be a player? That's a good question. Um, she said current Broncos. She didn't really suspect specify if there are players or coaches at least to my knowledge she didn't so we'll count Vic Fangio in this situation okay um Vic Fangio made some his his favorite meal I believe to cook his spaghetti Mm -hmm. I saw a photo of him cooking spaghetti in his kitchen and it just looked so heavenly I want him to cook me spaghetti and I want to talk about life with him because that man has been in the NFL for so long he's coached so many defenses I would love to hear his stories and then the third one, I think, would be Justin Simmons. This is a tough one because there, I, I would have dinner with any player on the team, let's be honest. But um, <laughs> Justin Simmons just seems like such a stand-up guy. You know, um, we have um, predominantly orange writers that have um, connection with him. And, you know, they said he's just a stand-up guy, just such a wonderful human being, great humanitarian, just does so much for the community. I would just love to have a conversation with him. One of my favorite dudes on the team. Oh, yeah. Without question. So that wraps up Kelly's interview thrown onto me, given to you. (laughs) (laughs) Those random questions really got to me, honestly. But now that we're still in the current state of Broncos affairs, there is a game this week. Um, And I understand from the many years that I've known you that this week will be house divided. I'm pretty sure. That is true. It is the, um, it is the two times a year that my husband and I are allowed to scream and cuss at each other. I'm kidding on that. (laughs) Um, um, For those who don't know, my husband is a Raiders fan. He is a diehard Raiders fan. So 
this is always an interesting week. Um, tensions run pretty high in the house. I feel like, I mean, I know the story and a little bit of the probably orange crew knows the story. I know some of your friends know the story, but I'm pretty sure that I'm asking for the incomplete listeners. Cause I'm pretty sure they would want to ask this. How did a Broncos fan fall in love with the Raiders fan? Okay. Um, the, okay. Funny story. So, um, we ended up and neither one of us actually used it. So it didn't even like matter, but we both had Tinder and we matched on Tinder. We never talked to each other on it. He wanted, he told me he wanted to message me, but that he was too nervous to, and that he was going to make a joke about the Broncos sucking to break the ice. And I'm like, well, it's a good thing you didn't. Cause I probably would have unmatched you and never talked to you again. <laughs> um, we, um, I, I was, I was friends with his, um, with his brother for years. So I already knew, of him I just didn't really know him but we met and got to talking and I guess he one of the things that he said like right off the bat was he was so impressed with my sports knowledge and that we just we had such a good connection and we clicked and you know um I I always give him grief about being a Raiders fan he he gives me it right back it, it's just a <laughs> that's just how we that's that's our that's our love language <laughs> but um I can respect any football fan that lives and dies with their team because that's how I am. You know, if you can talk to me about your team and you actually know about your team and you're not a bandwagoner and you're not going to sit there and just constantly roast me for my choice and team, then you know what? We'll get along just fine. You know, we, we talk football all the time and that's just, that's how it went. Perfect. Sounds like a very good story. Um, should I say a very good love story? I, I think what impresses me the most um, is the fact that there are guys out there that can talk to women and are able to hold civil conversations without bashing them or questioning their knowledge. Now, I understand I threw some of these random, random questions at you, but <laughs> I know, I know, especially talking with Kelly and talking with you, I respect, I just have so much respect for women that want to get into the sports world. You and Kelly being two of the bigger ones in my life. So any guy that can respect a woman's opinion on sports and actually can sit and listen and can have a civil conversation without questioning, without bashing, you picked a good guy, definitely. Thank you. I think I, I think so too. So with your house being divided, um, talk a little bit about Kelly's the one that normally tackles the, t- the statistics. So I guess I'll take that role for right now. Um, the Raiders right now are probably one of the more, not in the middle, but they're trending in the upside as far as their offense is scoring 27.2 points a game. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. 27.2 points a game, which is good for 11th in the league. yards per game, good for 14th. But I think their biggest stat is their rushing attack, which is 131.2, which is top 10 in the league. Broncos are getting better at defense. Like I think at some point they were getting close to that top 10, but that game against Atlanta kind of sunk them a little bit. So they're kind of like in the middle of the pack now, um, allowing 27 points per game, allowing 360 yards per game. 
240 yards to the air, 119 on the grounds. So it looks like the Raiders have a bit of an advantage there. Now on the flip side, the Broncos offense, I don't think I need to say any more about their offense <laughs> right now. <laughs> so we'll skip that and look and see how the Raiders defense is. Their defense is a it's trend if they're just like trending more down because they're getting close to the bottom five in points per game in yards per game and in passing yards a game. Now they don't, they're a little bit more stout in the passing game than Atlanta was, but I think honestly, this game could go either way. Injury or um, injuries will play a factor. Of course, Whichever team, like when you when the Raiders and the Broncos meet up, you don't know what you're going to get because of how big, because they're like one of the oldest rivalries in the NFL today. So, I mean, I really don't know what to think about this as far as what both teams will bring to the table that'll help them win the game. I think um, there is always, like you said, there is always a lot of history that comes with this matchup. Um, you know, <clears throat> big rivalry for a long, long, long time. Um, both both teams were under fantastic ownership with the likes of Pat Bolin and Al Davis, who really put some awesome teams out there in the 80s, 90s, so forth. And unfortunately, both of those men have now passed away. Um, so they've... They are they are both still very much missed by their franchises. And of course, as we um sorry, I lost my track of thought for a second, but <laughs> I okay. So I do have to admit that I was surprised that the Raiders are only in the top 15 in most offensive um categories. I am not surprised that they are in the top 10 in their run attack. Josh Jacobs is an absolute beast. Um just watching them every Sunday, they are probably the team that I know probably the second most about in the league right now. Um, they're they're playing pretty good football. I'm not going to be popular with Broncos fans for saying this. I do think the Raiders are a better team right now. Maybe not so much defense, but I think their offense is head and shoulders better than ours is. Um, guys, you know, um, one guy I want to point out in particular is. Um, Former Eagles wide receiver Nelson Aguilar has really played well there so far. He's been a really good target for Derek Carr, and that's another guy I want to talk about. Um, Denver fans really like to give him a hard time. Um, I have so much respect for the guy. I think he is a much better quarterback than he is given credit for. Um, hasn't been given the best weapons in the in the recent years. Of course, we know that. Um, Back in the 2016 season, the Raiders were actually being talked about in Super Bowl conversation. Unfortunately for them, that season ended really tragically with Derek Carr breaking his leg on Christmas Eve. Um, felt absolutely terrible for the guy, even as a division divisional opponent. Terrible, terrible way to end such a promising season. You know, they had really good guys like Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree. I think they had Latavius Murray at running back at that point. And, you know, that's when they still had Cleo Mack, you know. I think um, I think they had Bruce Irvin on their defense at that point, so they had two really good anchors in their pass rush. And of course, their pass rush has has been took a significant hit with the loss of Khalil Mack. But you know, um, 
Max Crosby has really stepped it up in that position. And I think he is scary. I think that is someone that Denver is really going to have to work hard to keep away from Drew Locke on Sunday, because if the offensive line can't hold up against him, he is going to feast. I completely forgot about Max Crosby and how well he does. So I'm a little bit down now that I'm kind of concerned about it. Um, Since we're talking about Raiders players, there's one that I'm kind of, he doesn't strike a whole lot here because I know you talked about Nelson Aguilar. I think one player that Denver really needs to keep an eye on. And I only say this because of what happened as a result of us almost losing the season finale because of this one player, and that's Hunter Renfrow. He was one player that I was really hoping Denver would have gotten. Mm-hmm. The, fact that, the fact that the Raiders got him, I was like, damn it, there goes our there goes our slot guy. Like I was really hoping to have him in there as a slot guy because I've seen him in Clemson, and he just comes up with play after play to help his team win. And he almost did that and almost beat us um, last year. So Ojemudie is going to have to really either Ojemudie or Bryce Callahan. If Bryce Callahan mm-hmm. is going, they're really going to have to step up their game against Renfrow because once he gets that cut for his routes and he is open it's gonna be a long day i think i think it's gonna be a long day in general you know you got to look at some of the weapons that Derek carr has got he's got nelson aguilar i mean we can't forget you know hunter renfro one of their most clutch guys really um of course they've got henry ruggs um you know, and they were really, really criticized for taking Henry Ruggs, I think, with the 12th overall pick over Jerry mm-hmm. Judy and C.D. Lamb both. But it's worked out pretty well for them so far. He is he is very good and he's so quick. Um, the, the one that concerns me is, you know, Denver has struggled against the tight end in the past years. And we mm-hmm. haven't seen it so much this year. You know, Rob Gronkowski didn't do so much. Um, um, Darren Waller. He's huge. He is yep. so good. That's that's keeping all these guys, keeping all their targets limited is going to be really tough. And then on top of that, using Josh Jacobs to just shove it down your throat. The the defense is going to have a very, very long day. And I think the offense is going to have to score 25 plus points to keep up. As if we can get to 25 plus points, hasn't been something that's happened a whole lot this year, but please, if there's anything, beat the Raiders for Broncos country's sake. And so hopefully where you can at least have bragging rights, at least until the end of the year. Yeah. Just for a few weeks. Just, just please. (laughs) Um. To touch up a little bit on the injury report, um, the only player I know that is out is Joe. Could be Joe Jones. I wish I'd written this down, but I completely forgot. Um, Judy is dealing with some shoulder injuries. They said he will likely play, but he is listed as questionable. So that does kind of concern me, especially with how depleted our wide receiving core is. And with how hurt it is, because you have Tim Patrick that's hurt, KJ Hamler is injury prone, and now you got Judy hurt. This is going to be really rough, but hopefully um, Boye wasn't on the injury list, so he should be good to go. Callahan, they said, is most likely to go, so that'll help out in the passing game against Derek Carr and all those weapons he has. But I think the biggest thing is that we're going to have to have someone 
like you said, get on Darren Waller because that guy is, oh my goodness. And then of course, Josh Jacobs, someone that interior defensive line. I think this, this is where we're going to really miss Shelby Harris. Um, and especially where we're going to miss Jarrell Casey because we know he's out for the year. So mm-hmm. if we can't stop Josh Jacobs, it's over. You know, I agree. You know, if, if Josh Jacobs goes for 100 plus yards, this is going to be a very tough game to win. I think this is going to be a tough game to win because what we're seeing, uh, the trend that we're seeing with the Broncos for I don't know how many seasons in a row now is the defense is usually having to be the ones that come up to make a to do something stellar to salvage the game. And I just don't know if the defense is going to be able to hold up enough for that this week, especially if the offense can't go out there and score points. Of course, the defense is the Raiders weaker side of the ball. You know, their, their secondary has improved, but it's still not great. You know, their pass rush is better. As we know, we mentioned Max Crosby, that's going to keep the, the O-line busy. Um, so Denver scoring, you know, more than they typically would isn't out of the question, but how much are they going to need to score to keep up with the Raiders? Another thing that I have to mention that we, we would be really amiss to not mention is how accurate Derek Carr is against Denver. I think the man throws an average of one incompletion against the Broncos every time he plays them. I remember we went to the game a couple of years ago and we got to do the incomplete chant once, one time, all game. Well, yeah, this one is in Las Vegas, so it's going to be new territory. So we won't get to, Say incomplete unless you're at home screaming at the top of your lungs and you're a Broncos fan. But yeah, Derek Carr's I just I don't understand how he can be okay to decent when he plays any other team, but he's just like deadly accurate against us. I think it really shows what his potential is. Um I Like I said earlier, I think he's a much better quarterback than anyone gives him credit for. I think he's probably currently the second best quarterback in the division right now because, of course, Patrick Mahomes is the number one. Justin Herbert's working his way up, but I think that Derek Carr is still a better quarterback. I think that at one point he probably was the best quarterback in the division. He just hasn't always had the team to back it up. I think that Denver just usually gets to see his ceiling, and it's it's pretty mm-hmm. good. Um I'm hoping that the pass rush can do some damage on Sunday. You know, the Raiders have a pretty good offensive line. Again, I don't think it's been as good as it has been in the past when they had almost all their, all their offensive linemen as pro bowlers, but um, they still do a pretty good job of protecting Derek Carr. The one thing that I have seen change in him since he broke his leg, since I watched the Raiders almost every single week um, is he is he has gotten more confident to move around again after that really gruesome leg injury he suffered in 16. So that's another thing that Denver's going to have to watch for. This would be a really good game for Bradley Chubb to step up and do some do some damage. Yeah, um, I hope so. Um, I think definitely getting pressure on Carr will be key. We need to do something if we're going to slow him down. We can't just like we pretty much have to get them like from snap once the ball snaps pretty much get within halfway of the backfield because give him any chance to get rid of that ball he's gonna find someone and it's (sighs) it's gonna be challenging 
It's it's going to be a tough game. You know, I wish I was a little more optimistic, but it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. I think this is a big big indication of where Denver actually sits in their playoff hopes. I think this is a huge um this is a huge test for Denver obviously, and I think that if they can if they come up short on Sunday, I think that this is about all she wrote for their playoff push, you know. The Raiders are are huge in the mix for the wild card spot right now. They're going to be one of the better wild or the top wild card teams. I am thinking so. This if last week was not a must win, this one most definitely is. Yeah, must win indeed. Um, so before we close it out, I did get a little message from Kelly um, as she's dealing with everything. Um, she tells me, P.S., bleep the Raiders. <laughs> so that's her little insertion into the um, episode this week. All but right. Hopefully, <laughs> hoping for a win, but it's going to be a long seven games if we do not pull this out. I agree. But I do want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast and helping us out. We owe you big time. This, this was a lot of fun. It's no problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, so hopefully things will somewhat return to normal, but I know you are becoming a big superstar in the <laughs> podcasting world. Um, so before we close it out, um, where can Broncos country find you as far as social media, if they want to chat with you, give any comments, questions, anything. Um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Shelby Manning P O that is at Shelby Manning P as in pony and O as in orange. I guess I could have said predominantly orange, but I said pony for some reason. <laughs> um, that's probably the best one though. You know, I'm always open to taking your questions i think my dms are open if you ever want to chat about you know anything um that's where i post most of my broncos content or you can check me out at predominantlyorange.com perfect and you can find me at tyflyguy15 on twitter i think i'm like one of the very few predominantly orange writers that doesn't have po at the end i got i gotta stick with my favorite number um but as far as the podcast is concerned, you can find Kelly and I at in underscore com underscore pleat underscore two, because as she Kelly says, there are two of us. Pretty inventive, right? <laughs> um, so until we see you on the airways next time, go Broncos. Let's Beat the Raiders. Thanks for listening to the Incomplete Podcast. Tune in next time for more Broncos news from two of your favorite fans. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends and family. Go Broncos! Broncos!